not afraid nor ashamed to worship and to praise him. Why don't you put your blessed hands together and give God the best praise that you have from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. I dare you look at somebody who's close to you and say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I have a few reasons to give him praise. I have a few reasons. I have a few reasons to give him praise. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. And we've gathered in this place tonight, indeed, just to do that, to worship the God of our salvation. And we greet you tonight in the name that matters most, and that is the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we honor the spirit of Christ that is in this place, and not only do we honor the spirit of Christ that is in this place, but we're thankful to our God for blessing us with life, health, and strength, and for granting us the wonderful privilege just to gather together in the sanctuary one more time. Anybody glad to be above ground? I said, anybody glad to be above ground? When, when you and I, when you and I consider, when you and I consider what the alternative is, amen. I've lived long enough to discover it doesn't matter what side of the bed you get on, it's a good side. Amen? And we are thankful and grateful to God. And we're not only thankful and grateful to God for positioning us in this place and to be alive and in worship, but I'm grateful to God and honored by the invitation of your esteemed and beloved pastor to come and yet again share my convictions about Christ. Amen? Why don't you help me thank God for the angel of this house? Amen. Pastor Murphy, my friend and my brother. God. God is good. He is good. And not only is he good, but the Bible declares that he is great and greatly to be praised. To the officers, members, and friends of the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church, we are thankful indeed again to God for the privilege to be alive and in this place. Amen? Amen. To my partners in ministry who share on the front pew and to all of you who've gathered, God be praised. I want to call your attention tonight to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. I tried to shake it and kept coming back to it. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. I want to begin reading at verse number 21. Matthew, chapter 15, beginning at verse 21. When you have it, would you say Amen. Then Jesus went out from there and departed 
to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and worshipped him. Let the church say, worshipped him. Saying, Lord, help. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed. Let the church say healed. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to talk for just a little while tonight from the thought simply getting God's attention, getting God's attention. Why don't you turn to somebody who's close to you and say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I need God's attention. Why don't you thank God in advance? Getting God's attention. Gracious and eternal God, our Father, oh, how we love you and how we thank you. For indeed, God, you are worthy of all of our praise. We thank you, God, for how you've positioned us in this place. We thank you, O oh God, indeed, for how you've kept us and how you've blessed us and how you have spoken to us all day long. And now, God, as we've come yet again to this preaching place, we pray for your preaching power. We pray simply, God, that you would use this, your servant, as an instrument of thy peace. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after her. Getting God's attention. Getting God's attention. My brothers and sisters, it was 1977 when George Willick, a mountain climber from Queens, New York, decided and made his mind up that he wanted greater fame and popularity. In his quest for greater fame and popularity, George Willick, who was from Queens, New York, decided that he was going to climb what we once knew as the 110-story World Trade Center building. In his quest for fame, 
fortune and popularity. He made up in his mind that he was going to get the attention of others by making this tall climb. While he simply was looking for fame and popularity, he found himself arrested at the conclusion of his four-hour journey to the top of the World Trade Center building. Yes, in his quest for fame and popularity to gain attention, he found himself arrested. Let the church say arrested. But yet also it was in 1980 when John Hinckley Jr. made an attempt on the life of then-president Ronald Reagan. Hinckley, upon his arrest, after being questioned for several hours and simply asked, why was it that he was, why was it, what was it that drove him to commit such a heinous crime? He stated that he was simply attempting to get the attention of famed actress Jodie Foster. My brothers and sisters, as we gather in the sanctuary tonight, perhaps it is true that all of us can perhaps agree on this one particular truth. And that is that people will do some strange attention of others. People will do some strange things. Let the church say strange things. People will do some strange things to get the attention of others. In fact, there are some children who have done some strange things to get the attention of their parents. There are some children, there are some children that have done some strange things to get the attention of their parents. And not only have they done some strange things to get the attention of their parents, but they have also done some strange things to get the attention of other family members. And likewise, there are some husbands that have done some strange things to get the attention of their wives and some wives who have done some strange things to get the attention of their husband. In fact, don't look around tonight, but somebody even under the sound of my voice, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't even have to blink your eye tonight, but yet all of us, some of us are guilty of having done some strange things to get the attention of somebody else. In fact, my brothers and sisters, not only have we done some strange things, but if we're honest, we have gone completely out of our way to gain the attention of somebody else. But tonight, as we gather in the series of services known as Revival, what concerns me is the unfortunate reality and the unfortunate fact that many of us exhibit great energy and in some cases uh, spend tremendous resources attempting to get the attention of people who cannot do anything for us. We go out of our way. We ex exhibit great energy and in some cases exhibit and spend tremendous resources trying to get the attention of not only people who cannot do anything for us, but in some cases uh, trying to get the attention of people who don't even like us. And we do it at, at the expense of never seeking the true affection of God the Father. Do I have a witness tonight? 
In essence, all I'm simply trying to suggest, Pastor Murphy, is this, that it is possible for us to become so preoccupied with what we think we need and what we think we want that it is possible to miss the very thing that God has intended for us to get. It is possible that we can become so preoccupied with what we think we need and where we think we ought to be that we can miss the opportunities that God has placed in our lives. In fact, we can become so preoccupied with stuff that uh, is around us that we forget that it is God who can sustain us and that it is God who can enrich us. Uh, simply put, uh, it is possible for us to win somebody's affection and then discover that that affection is simply not enough. Uh, it is possible for us, my brothers and sisters, not only to win somebody's affection, but it's possible for us to arrive at a particular place in our life and discover the place that we have been uh, working hard to get is simply not enough to sustain us or to keep us. I'm not sure who I'm talking to tonight, but I want you to know that it is possible, yes, even for us to gain entrance into particular circles of friends and fraternities and sororities and other institutions and get there and only discover that it is not enough to satisfy us in Jesus Christ. But I've come by tonight to tell us this, when I consider who I am and when I consider what I am, when I consider what I have and in particular when I consider what I need, when I consider the uncertainty of the times upon which we're living in, when I consider the amount of sickness and distress that is happening all around me, when I consider the hurt of people, the problems of people, the pain of people, the burdens of people, the rejection of people, the dissatisfaction of people, when I consider all of that, here's one thing that I know for sure and for real, and that is I don't just need anybody's affection, I don't just need anybody's attention, but I need the attention of somebody who can help me to deal with my circumstance. I wonder tonight, is there anybody in here who knows that you don't just need anybody, but you need somebody who can help you to get through your situation? As a matter of fact, I come by to tell you tonight, uh, you, you and I don't just, we don't need anybody, but we need somebody who can help us to do at least one of three things. And that is to get over it or to get through it or at least to get past it. And I think that there are a few people in the house who is a witness who can declare and testify that you know without a shadow of a doubt that if there's anybody who can do it, that is that the Lord can do it himself. Oh, don't fool me tonight. Is there a witness in the house? Is there anybody who knows that God himself can do it? Is there anybody who can already testify that God has the power to turn your situation around? Is there anybody who can testify that God has the power to pull you out of darkness and set you in front of the marvelous light? Is there anybody who can testify that God has the power to take the chains off of your hands? 
Is there anybody who can testify that God can free you from your situation? Look at somebody and say, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. If anybody can do it, God himself can do it. And that's what happens in our text tonight, Pastor Murphy, in our text. Here is an illustration that there is no problem, there is no dilemma, there is no situation, and there is no circumstance that God himself cannot speak to. In fact, this particular text helps us to understand that if you're going to get anybody's attention to help you get through what you're going through, you make sure that you have God's attention. And can I ask the question tonight, is there anybody here who needs God's attention? Is there anybody in here who needs God to speak to your dilemma and to speak to your situation? I've come to tell you, you're in the right place at the right time to hear the right God speak. Here it is in our text. We find this woman, and the Bible says we meet this woman who has a great and tremendous faith. This is not just an ordinary woman, but the Bible suggests that this is a woman who has great faith, but she's also a mother. This particular mother has a great need, and might I suggest parenthetically, that whenever you and I, child of God, have a great need, great needs require great faith. Do I have a witness? I said great needs require great faith. And when you have a, a great need, you have to have great faith. Uh, the Bible says that her daughter is demon-possessed. Uh, she's wrestling, she's dealing with this child that has been inflicted and afflicted with demon possession. And because, and consequently, as a result of her daughter being demon possessed, she is attempting to gain the attention of Jesus. And she is attempting to gain the attention of Jesus because she said to herself, if there is anybody who can help my daughter get over, get past, or get through this situation, it's the Lord himself. And it just might be tonight that somebody has come to the sanctuary because you have a great need. It just might be that somebody has pressed their way to the house of God because you have a situation that is larger than you. It just might be that somebody has pressed their way to the crowd tonight because you have been wrestling with a situation that you cannot handle by yourself. Have you ever been there? The Bible says her daughter is wrestling and afflicted with demon possession. And notice what this mother does as a result. She calls out unto the Lord. The Bible says she not only calls out, but she is crying out to Jesus. She's calling out to the Lord. She's crying out to the Lord. She's making her presence known. She is suggesting to God that if he doesn't speak to her situation, that her daughter will not be healed. She's crying out to God. She's calling out to the Lord. But something strange and unusual happens in the text. The Bible says that when she calls out to God, when she pours out her heart, when she laments unto the Lord, the book says that Jesus does not say a word to her. Some would suggest tonight that if you were to call out to God, if you were to cry to God and lament from the depths and bosom of your heart, 
and God would not respond, some of us would just pack up and go home. But that's not what this woman does in the text. Jesus does not say a word, but the book says she keeps on crying. She keeps on calling out. She keeps on calling upon the name of the Lord. And she does not stop calling him until she gets what she wants from him. Can I help somebody tonight? Sometime you've got to put some time in and talk to God. Sometimes he's not going to answer your, your prayers quickly. Sometimes it's going to take him a while to circle back and to see and to respond to your situation. But you cannot give up just because it appears that God has taken his time. Somebody's a witness tonight. You can't hurry God. Oh, no, you just got to wait. You got to trust him and give him some time. No matter how long it takes, he's a God that you can't hurry. He'll be there. Don't you worry. He may not come when you want him. Somebody help me tonight. But you know for yourself that he's always on time. Here it was, this woman, she cries out to God. And God does not immediately respond to her situation. But she keeps on calling. She keeps on crying until, let church say until, until God speaks to her situation. What was it, child of God? What was it about this particular woman that got God's attention? What was it about her cry? What was it about her call that was able to tickle the heart of God and to get a hold of his attention so much so that he not only heard her, but he responded to her situation? What was it about her cry? What was it about her call that you and I can gain some insight from in 2017? that might help us to gain the attention and the heart of God. You've got some time tonight? Well, I want to suggest at least the passage offers for us three things that might help us to get the attention of God himself. But let me ask one more time, is there anybody who needs God's attention? Or perhaps you've got some burden, you tried to handle it by yourself, but only God can speak to it. Perhaps you're wrestling with some pain. Perhaps you are wrestling with some dilemma that you've tried the doctor. You've tried everything and everybody else. But now you've got to talk to God about your situation. I dare you tap somebody and say, neighbor, hold on and hold out. Because if anybody can help you, it's God the Father who will see you through. Do I have a witness in the house? Well, the text says the first thing that was able to grab God's attention from this particular mother was simply this. It was her attitude. Let the church say her attitude. It was her attitude that was able to grab God's attention. Look at verse 22. For verse 22 says this, And behold, a woman of Canaan from that region came and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possess. It was her attitude. Let's just say attitude. Attitude, a feeling or a way of thinking. A feeling or a way of thinking that affects a person's behavior. Now, I know most of us, whenever we hear the term that somebody has an attitude, we automatically make the assumption that their attitude is bad. Look at your neighbor and say, they ain't talking about me. 
we automatically make the assumption that one's attitude is bad. But I've come tonight to tell you that it is possible, let's just say it is possible, it is possible to use our attitude for the good. An attitude does not have to be negative connotation. You can use your attitude to do something good for you and for somebody else. It was this woman's attitude that helped her to get God's attention. How? What was it about her attitude that helped her to gain God's attention? I want to suggest in this particular case, she did not allow her present reality to prevent her from her potential realization. She did not allow what her current predicament was to stop her from believing that her situation could somehow change. Let me rewind it and press play. She did not allow her present reality to impact the potential reality that was in front of her or ahead of her. In other words, she said this, I've grown to this reality. What is doesn't always have to be. Or somebody don't mistake you to shout tonight. What is doesn't always have to be. I know you've had some dark days. I know you've had some sleepless nights. As a matter of fact, somebody right now is still wrestling with some dark days. And you're still in the midst of some turmoil and storms in your life. But is there anybody in here who can look back over your life and see where God has brought you from? If you take a few minutes and look over your life, you will find that there is some evidence that where you are right now, you haven't always been. There's some evidence that God has seen you through. There is some evidence that God has brought you over. There's some evidence that God has set you free. There's some evidence that God has loosened some chains. You ought to high five your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm not going to die in my winter. I'm going to hang on and see what summer is going to bring. Just a minute, I got a positive attitude. This, this, this mother was determined to believe in the possibility of change. And she was determined to believe in the potential of change. I, in fact, believe tonight, Pastor, that the healing and wholeness for her daughter first took place in the mind of the mother. Healing and wholeness, before it even hit the daughter, It started in the mind of the mother. When this mother cried out, she said, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. When she makes that clarion call, she she does three things. She identifies the Christ. In other words, she says, I know that there are a whole lot of other people around who I can go to, but there's something about calling upon the name of the Lord. I wish I had a witness here. She recognized who God was. 
And as a result of her recognizing who God was, she could not help but to recognize his power and his authority. What sense does it make to serve a God and to call upon a God in whom you don't believe has the power to change, set free, heal, or deliver? As a matter of fact, I believe somebody came to church tonight because you believe in your sanctified mind and imagination that somehow and some kind of way that if God can't do it, guess what? It can't be done. But somebody is a witness tonight that you tried it yourself. Your doctor tried it. Your lawyer tried it. But it was not until you turned it over. Oh, I wish I had a praying church. It was not until you turned it over to the Lord that you discovered that he will work it out. She identifies Christ. She says, have mercy, O Lord, son of David. But she also identifies the crisis. She says, my daughter is, is de severely demon-possessed. Can I ask you a question tonight? What's your crisis? What's your dilemma? What is it that keeps you walking the floor at the midnight hour? What is it that's creating the thorn in your flesh? What is it that's perhaps disturbing the relationship that you have with God? What is it, child of God, that keeps you from being all that you and I can be in Christ? I come to tell you this, you might not want to admit it tonight, but all of us have something that we're wrestling with. I said all of us have something. And let me tell you this, if you and I don't handle it, it will handle you. Do I have a witness? She identifies Christ. She identifies a cure. But here it is, lastly, she makes a request for a cure. Dr. C.A.W. Clark says this, if you pray often, you don't have to pray long. She opens up her mouth and she says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. She, she doesn't speak flowery language. She doesn't even perhaps go down on bended knee. But she looks up to God, and here's what she said. From, from the depths of my heart, God, I need you to have mercy. I dare somebody tonight throw your head back after considering the weight of the problem in your life and recognizing that you and I can't fix it nor handle it on our own. I dare you in the secret place of your own house, open up your mouth and say, Lord, have mercy. Have you ever called upon the Lord to have mercy in your life? Is there a witness in the house? And then if you are a witness, then you realize that things will change. When you call upon his name, mountains will be lowered. When you call upon his name, valleys will be exalted. When you call upon his name, something will happen. What was it got God's attention? It was her attitude. Let church say attitude. But then the second thing that got God's attention was not just her attitude, but it was her actions. Look at the text, verses 23 and 25. The passage says, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
uh, it, it, it was her actions, this mother's determination and her resolve, I believe, is what led to her daughter's healing and wholeness. The pathway to God and the pathway to healing is not always a direct route. The pathway to God and the pathway to healing, not only is it not always a direct route, but it's neither sometimes an immediate route. Do I have a witness? I know that when you and I pray, our hope and our anticipation is this, that God is going to answer quickly. Do I have a witness? But that's not the reality of the times upon which we live. Because somebody can testify that you prayed, you've cried out to God, but your answer did not come quickly. I know, I know, I know it's easy to praise God when you have the certainty of what tomorrow is going to be. It's easy to praise God when you have the assurance of a house to go to and a job to go to. But perhaps God every now and then wants to know, will you still praise him? When you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like, can you or I still open up your mouth and say that somehow the Lord will make a way when we are unsure about the way and how he's going to make that way? Somebody is a witness tonight that your faith and your patience will sometimes be tested. I've already told you that she identifies Christ, and one would think that that was half the battle. But notice, even after she cries out to Christ, what happens in the passage? When she cries out to Jesus, makes her claim known to the Lord, the book says that Jesus is silent. The book says that she calls out to God and Jesus does not say a word. Now, I can handle friends not saying something. I can handle family members not responding. But child of God, it's, I, I'm in a bad way when the Savior is not speaking to my situation. Jesus is silent. Not only is she dealing with the silence of the Savior, but then she's forced also to deal with the insensitivity of the saints. Because while Jesus doesn't say a word, the book says that the disciples are in the ear of Jesus telling him to tell her, go away. And here's the reason. Because she cries out after us. Can you imagine? the very ambassadors of the Savior, the very people who are the representatives of Christ, the very people who are the called out chosen koinia, the very people who are the sons and daughters of the faith are the same ones that are telling Jesus to send her away because she cries out after us. So tap your neighbor and say, neighbor, I like her resolve. Jesus is silent. The disciples are insensitive. But the book says in verse 25 that she gets up from where she was, makes her way to the presence of the Lord, and she worships him. 
Oh, somebody done missed that cue tonight. She gets up in spite of the silence of Jesus. In spite of the insensitivity of the Savior, she gets up, makes her way into the presence of God, and the book says she cannot help but to open up her mouth and to worship God. Now notice this, my brothers and sisters. At this point, she still has a need. At this point, her daughter is still demon-possessed. At this point, she doesn't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But somehow she makes up in her mind that I, after all of that, I still have a reason to give God some praise. Can I help somebody on the night? I don't care how bad the storms may rage in your life how strong the billows may roll, how dark the night may sometimes be, how hard the rain may fall. I've come by to tell somebody, when, if you have breath in your body, if you have the activity of your limbs, you still have a reason to worship God. If you made your way to the house of God, whether somebody had to help you in here or not, you still have a reason to worship God. Is there anybody in the building who can look at somebody and say, I may not have everything I should have. I may not have everything that I want, but I give God praise because of what he's already provided. Look at somebody and say, he's worthy. Look at somebody and say, he's worthy. And here it is. He's already blessed me more than what I deserve. And so when I look back over my life and think things over, I can't help but to praise him because God. I said, God. I said, God. I said, God. I said, God has been good to me. And if the Lord's been good to you, you ought to recognize that he, yes, he might be silent, but he's still present. He might not say a word, but as long as he's active, you ought to high-five your neighbor and say, thanks be unto God. Anyway, you bless me, I will be satisfied. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what was it? That got God's attention. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. It was her attitude. Say, neighbor. It was her actions. But I leave you tonight with this. Not only was it her attitude, and not only was it her actions, but it was her belief in his ability. Do I have a witness? I said it was her belief in his ability. Look at verse 28. The text says, Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. O woman, great is your faith. He could have stopped there, but he does not stop. He says, Let it be to you as you desire. And the Bible says, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Have I got a witness here? Notice that the book does not even mention him going to the place where her daughter was laying. The book does not mention him asking even to see the sick child. 
But Jesus looks at the woman and he honors her faith. Have I got a witness here? Jesus looks at the woman and because she's been faithful over a few things, because she had enough faith to keep on believing in spite of what the crowd said, she had enough faith to keep on pushing in spite of the naysayers. She had enough faith to keep on believing in spite of how dark the day and how long it was. Have I got a witness? Jesus recognized her faith and he said, great is your faith. But because of your faithfulness, here's the reward that I have for you. He says, daughter, let it be to you as you desire. Have I got a witness? In other words, Jesus looked at the woman and said, because you've been so faithful, I'm going to give you whatever it is you've been praying for. Because you've been so faithful, I'm going to give you whatever you've been asking for. Whatever you've been crying about, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. Have I got a witness here? And I just stop by to tell somebody that the same God who did it for this mother is the same God in 2017 in the midst, in the month of October. Have I got a witness? He's the same God that can hear your prayers tonight. He's the same God that will come see about your situation. Is there anybody in the building tonight who's got enough faith to believe that somehow and some way that the Lord will work it out? Look at somebody and say, neighbor, I'm looking for a miracle. I'm expecting the impossible. The sky is the limit for what I can have. If you believe it, you shall receive it because God's got it. I said God's got it. I found your neighbor and say, neighbor, my faith looks up to thee. Thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine is there anybody here that can give God some praise because you don't know how and you don't know when you don't know how and you don't know when but you believe that somehow the Lord will work it out I said won't he work it out won't he Work it out. This problem that I had, I could not seem to solve it. I cried and I cried. Could not seem to work it out. But I turned it. Hey, I turned it over to Jesus. And he started working it out. Yes, yeah, 
Yeah! Yes! Won't he work it out? Won't he fix it for you? Yeah! Is there you?